Good morning. Thank you for joining us once again. Welcome to our CityBase online service. I trust that you've had a good week and are once again ready for the Word of God. I pray that with what I have to share with you, that it will help you grow in your walk with the Lord and that it will help you lead your own life well. Last week we looked at leading ourselves in our relationships, our relationship with God, our relationship with our spouse, our relationship with our children, and our relationship with others. And this week we're going to be carrying on with um, taking care of ourselves, looking after ourselves. And this week we're going to be looking at leading your spiritual life. So I want to ask you this question to start off with, how are you doing spiritually? Each one of us needs to develop the ability to resource ourselves so that we fill our own wells, so that refreshing living water can be drawn from them. When it comes to our spirituality, we need our wells to become deeper and the water to become purer. Many times it has been said that your leadership heart won't exceed your spiritual depth. And that's incredibly important for us to remember. In leadership, we're always pouring ourselves out and giving to others. And we better be filling our wells and refreshing ourselves. Otherwise, we won't be able to stay the course. Or even more dangerously, we will begin to want the people we are shepherding to resource us. When in fact, we are meant to be a well of resource for them. The life of God draws people. I'm sure many of you have heard me mention this before, but I'm going to tell it again for those who haven't heard it. In Australia, you will notice that in the outback, there's a tremendous amount of open space where there is literally nothing. There you will find cattle farms and you will see how all the animals group together despite the lack of fences or other means of controlling them. Ask any Australian cattle farmer why it is that they have endless miles of open space and very few fences, but all their cattle stay together and they'll tell you that their role is not to put up fences, but to dig fresh wells. Because wherever there is fresh water, the animals will congregate so that they can drink from it and they will stay there. And this is a great picture for our own lives and ministries. We don't have to put up fences to keep people involved. If we just keep digging wells, our own wells, and fresh water will always be available, and the life of God will always draw people into what we're involved in. So what stops up wells? In Genesis 26 verse 15, we see that Isaac had to open the wells of his father Abraham, Wells that had been stopped up by the Philistines. There are things that will stop up your wells, your refreshment in your life. And we've got to keep on digging our wells. We need wells that will sustain us, sustain our ministries, sustain our family life, sustain our leadership, sustain all that we're involved in. There are no shortcuts here. We still have to be making time, spending time with God, and seeing the need to resource ourselves for our own wells. So what are some of the things that can dry up and close our wells? And there are many, but I just want to mention three. The first one is comparison. 
This is a real curse. I don't know anyone who doesn't struggle in some way in this area. Comparing yourself with others is really not good for you. It dries up who you are and kills the life of God in you, destroying you spiritually. Psalm 16, verse 5 to 6. Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. You make my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. We need to get to the place that David did when he penned the psalm. Wherever the boundary lines are for you, whatever you are facing, whatever you are involved in, if it's from God, learn to live in the great space of pleasant boundary lines. Then you can say as David did, surely I have a delightful inheritance. And you can echo what he wrote in verse 9 in the song. My heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure. This contentment gives us the strength we need and the ability to celebrate what God is doing with others and to stop comparing and competing with others. The second one is fear. This is probably one of the biggest challenges we all face. Fear of the future, fear of failure, fear of ministry, fear of people, fear of the coronavirus, whatever it may be. Fear dries up our wells and destroys us spiritually. It sucks the life of God out of us and it does it so quickly when we live in the place of fear. We've got to deal with fear and understand that it erodes our convictions. Often we, we, when we fear, all logic goes out the window. We just do our own thing. Instead of going before God and asking Him what we should do, we do the first thing that comes to our mind and we end up making a bigger mess out of the situation. Or fear causes us to just do whatever works and whatever we know will work rather than finding out if it's right or if it's even biblical. And then the third one is conflict. We can expect conflict, but we need to know where the conflict is coming from and what it is really about, and that our battle is not against flesh and blood. We can so easily make it about flesh and blood. Constant conflict in relationship destroys the life of God. It sinks us spiritually. It closes the wells that we can draw from. And in Ephesians 6, verse 10 to 13, Finally be strong in the Lord, in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God, so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the, day, when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you've done everything, to stand. We are often involved in this kind of conflict, because we're, we involve ourselves in things we shouldn't be involved in. In 2 Timothy 23 and 24, uh, 
Paul makes it very clear to Timothy on how he should conduct himself in conflict. So 2 Timothy 2 verse 23 and 24. Don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments because you know they produce quarrels and the Lord's servants must not be quarrelsome but must be kind to everyone, able to teach and not resentful. I love how clear this is. This is the reality. Foolish arguments lead to quarreling. And a lot of us are involved in arguments, in things that might seem relevant, but are actually irrelevant. And this sucks the life of God out of us and destroys our spiritual life and our ability to bring life to whatever the situation is that we're involved in. So don't get involved in conflicts that you are not called to fight. This is very real. Eventually you will burn out and you will lose your way and definitely not finish the race, if at all. So let's have a look at how do we dig our wells. And the first point here is find the Lord. It starts with your relationship with God. We've got to find the Lord in this. We shouldn't be thinking, God, I hope you're there, but must know he really is there and that we can find him. He's not hiding away somewhere. We can find him. Psalm 145 verse 18 says, The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. The amount of time you invest in your relationship with the Lord is how you let him know how important he is to you. There are no shortcuts here. We've got to go spend time with our Lord. The second one is to feast on scriptures. We shouldn't just be reading scriptures for our next fix or just so that we can put another notch in our belts and say, look at how much of the Bible I've read. But we need to be actually feasting on the word of God, asking questions, digesting the truth, chewing on it, getting it into us. The scriptures give us revelation. And when we are living by this revelation, we are strengthened in our spiritual lives. After all, the word of God is living and it is active. The third one is focus on prophetic words. Again, if we go back to 1 Timothy 1, verse 18 and 19, it says this, Timothy, my son, I'm giving you this command in keeping with the prophecies once made about you, so that by recalling them, you may fight the battle well, holding on to faith and a good conscience. Paul challenged Timothy to hold on to the truth spoken about him and to do battle for them, to war over the prophetic words that were spoken over him so that he won't lose his way. And it's important for us to go back to the things God has spoken, especially over us, over our ministry, over our lives, over our families, over our churches, over our workplaces. We should go back to these words of encouragement and feast on them, focusing on what the Lord has spoken over us and said about us. The fourth one is fasting. And fasting is not punishment. If we understand the need to keep our wells fresh and to dig new wells, then we will have a lifestyle of fasting 
and giving attention to what matters. Find what works for you. And in your personal capacity, fast on a regular basis. And I know this is not easy. We all love our food, but it's necessary for wells of good, abundant water. The fifth point is, take courage in pain and adversity. If you have a theology that doesn't allow for hardship, you're going to get very discouraged very quickly and lose your spirituality very easily. If you look throughout scripture, there is clearly a challenge to trust God to bless you while understanding that there will be hardship. And Paul and Barnabas told the believers um, in Acts, we must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. In 1 Peter 4 verse 12, Peter said, Do not be surprised at fiery ordeal that has come on you, to test you as though something strange were happening to you. These are New Testament letters written under the new covenant of grace. These are not Old Testament writings under the law. If you don't have a theology that allows for hardship, you're going to run into trouble. And I've seen many people walk away from God because they can't understand why they are encountering hardship. We need to stand strong so that when challenges come our way, we know it's not God that is against us, but that challenges are part of our life and our ministry. We still live in a fallen world. Even though we are children of God, we are not exempt from hardship. Point number six. Fight the right battles. We are all in a battle. That's clear from Scripture. And again, I want to quote the Scripture we read from Ephesians earlier. Ephesians 6, verse 10 to 13. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you've done everything, to stand. So I want to encourage you to stop fighting battles. You're not called to fight. If you don't have the grace for the battle, and you enter the fight, you'll burn out quickly and lose the life of God and your spiritual strength. We've got to know um, what we've been called to fight, but we've also got to know where we are called to fight and what grace God has given us to fight. Again, in this, don't compare yourselves to others. Point number seven is forgiveness. I don't know anybody who has not been hurt, and I've never met a believer who has not been hurt, even by other leaders, or vice versa, leaders being hurt by the people that he leads. The more we can learn to forgive and live in forgiveness, the more the deep wells of God can flow through us and our spiritual life. Unforgiveness is one of the biggest destroyers of our spiritual life. 
You have to ask, what did God call us to? To a life of unforgiveness or forgiveness? And the scriptures make it very clear. He has called us into a life of forgiveness. Learn to forgive everyone all the time. Learn to forgive quickly. Then the life of God can continue to flow in and through you. Point number eight is filled with the Holy Spirit. We see in scripture that there is the infilling, the refilling, and every other kind of filling that we can think of in the Holy Spirit. The more space we are making to be filled and refilled in the Spirit, the better for us. The Holy Spirit brings life, and we need to continually be filled by the Holy Spirit, staying in fellowship with Him, fine-tuning our hearing and our seeing. He keeps us full with God, showing and revealing and guiding us into all truth and fanning into flame the gifts given us. Point number nine is friendship. Relationship outside of the church and with those around you, not just in ministry, but real friends, fill our wells and help us spiritually. Build good, strong, godly friendships. They will help you to keep your wells open and producing good water. Number 10 is fun. Laughing and enjoying each other. And what we do is good for healthy wells. So often we neglect having good fun times together. And it's all just work, work, work. And this is so foolish. And it's amazing to see and it's amazing for me to see how many people seem to be enduring their call and ministry as if it's a burden. And yes, there are times when it is burdensome, but we need to enjoy what we do. There are seasons when things do get tough, and we've all had them, and we will have them again. Um, but we have to have times of fun. Laughter is good for the soul. Laugh together and enjoy this journey. It will fill you well and it will keep you going. And then the last one, point number 11, is fit. You and I need to keep fit and take care of our bodies. And in general, all over the world today, there is an obsession about the way our bodies look. People taking selfies of themselves, always talking about their new workout routine at gym, the diet that they're on, the new supplement that they're busy taking, and so on. And this is not what I mean. We shouldn't be obsessed with our bodies. But what I am saying is we must be wise with them. When we are keeping fit and in shape and eating healthy, it does help us spiritually. It just makes sense. So if we are serious about longevity, we should take care of our bodies and lead ourselves in this area. And I trust that what I've shared with you this morning will motivate you to lead your own life and to lead it well. Can we pray? Father, I thank you that as you take us on this journey of leading ourselves, I pray that, Father, you will help us to keep check of our lives to make sure that we are on track, that we are doing well, 
so that we can finish strong. Lord, where there are things in our lives that are not lining up with your word, where we are doing things in our own strength and not relying on you, I pray that you forgive us and that you help us to turn from, from those ways of doing things and to put our faith and trust in you, to make our requests known to you, to bring those things before you that we are going through and ask you to help us with them so that we don't try and fight these battles in our own strength. Father, I pray for your people that you will help them to continue to stand strong, even though, Father, times are difficult and we may be going through lonely and hard times. Father, you never leave us. You never forsake us. You are always there for us. And I pray that, Father, in these times when things are difficult and we are battling, that we will turn to you and not try and fill it with things that are just going to make us more empty. Lord, I pray a blessing upon your people. I pray your protection on them, protection from this virus that is going around. And that, Father, we will be able to meet again next week. I ask this all in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. May God richly bless you. Have an awesome day. Amen.